You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey y'all, spooky season is here. And if you're looking for a show to whet your appetite for a little haunted history, then I'd like to invite you to check out Southern Gothic, a chart-topping history podcast that explores some of the most infamous legends, folklore, ghost stories, and hauntings of the American South. We've covered all sorts of stuff from the Bell Witch of Tennessee to the disappearance of the Confederate submarine, the H.L. Hunley. Not to mention our deep dives into the local lore of some of America's oldest and most haunted cities like New Orleans, Charleston, and St. Augustine. So if you're ready for a little good old-fashioned Halloween storytelling with a commitment to quality historical research, then be sure to check out Southern Gothic today. It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps. Monster House presents Monster Talk is an independent podcast production of Monster House, LLC. You can show your support by subscribing to our ad-free extended episodes at patreon.com forward slash monster talk. We want to grow our Monster Talk audience, and the easiest way to accomplish that is for listeners to leave us five-star reviews on iTunes. Positive reviews have a huge impact and only take a moment. At the 2019 of Gods and Monsters Conference at Texas State University, I was introduced to a quote from Jack Halberstam that monsters are meaning machines. Halberstam talks about how monsters are a narrative innovation, a technology for creating contrast between the perceived normal and the variants and opposites and others that give our stories conflicts. Monsters sit there in the mythic twilight, waiting for an opportunity to kill us, to scare us, or to awe us. A million monsters have lurked in the shadows of a million campfires through a million nights, leaving footprints only in our dreams. Last year, during the pandemic, my family fell into some strange behaviors. We were in a community, yet isolated out of concern for our safety and the safety of others. One of my daughters wanted to get out and exercise more, so she asked me to join her in a new routine. After sunset, when the street lights were humming their monotonous battle hymn against the night, the two of us would head out to walk around the neighborhood. She wanted to share something she had found with me. It was an unusual experience. She wanted me to join her on these nightly walks to hear monster stories. Moving through the shadowy nightscape of our familiar streets, we brought something new to the sound of crickets, cicadas, frogs, and other denizens of the dark. She had become an avid fan of a series of videos that told familiar and unfamiliar stories of monsters and scary folklore. 
This was the work of a storyteller named Sapphire Sandalo, and for many nights of the summer and fall, this new sound became part of the audio landscape of our neighborhood. Hey, I'm Sapphire. Want to hear something scary? You've heard of the Slender Man, but have you heard of the tall, slender woman? This next chapter is a Japanese urban legend called Hachishakusama, which means eight feet tall. It's actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before. A giant hairy creature, part ape, part man. In Loch Ness, a 24-mile-long bottomless lake in the highlands of Scotland, it's a creature known as the Loch Ness Monster. Welcome to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stolzner. I know we're the science show about monsters, but hopefully it's clear that in addition to using monsters as a springboard to discuss science topics and as a whetstone to sharpen our critical thinking skills, we also just genuinely love monster stories. Monster stories are like funhouse mirrors. They reflect us strangely back at ourselves. Through the grotesque, the macabre, the suspenseful, and the uncanny, they show us aspects of our humanity and give contrast to the often mundane world of the everyday. Not everyone has the privilege of a boring life. And in lives where everything is unpredictable and terrifying, monsters can provide useful contrast or catharsis or perhaps even a kind of wish fulfillment. For my daughter and me, Listening to Sapphire telling us monster stories as we walked around in the strange isolation of a suburb during a pandemic. Well, the monsters gave us the most basic comfort that can come from such horrific tales. Things could definitely be worse. But more than that, because the stories Sapphire tells are largely from Asian folklore and myth, it also brought something exotic to the mix. There are parallels between monsters around the world, but they also have their own distinctive flavors. While I've spent decades investigating whether particular stories have basis in truth, my daughter was savoring the more visceral experience of just surfing the waves of a good, scary story well told. I'll put a link to Sapphire's YouTube channel in the show notes, along with some links to some of the creatures you'll hear mentioned in our discussion. This is an interview with the storyteller, but I didn't want her to try to distill her narratives down into morsels too tiny to convey their true flavor. Instead, I've scattered in some samples, but the full stories are only 10 to 15 minutes long, and if you're interested, you can check them out for free via the links in our show notes. Monster Talk. Sapphire Sandalo is the host of the web series Stories with Sapphire. She is a writer, an animator, a podcaster, a TV personality, and a part-time university instructor. Her series tells stories with distinctive music and animation, and they have a strong representation of many monsters, ghosts, and creatures that come from Asian folklore and from multiple cultures around the world, plus stories submitted by her audience. Her shows have been an absolute favorite for one of my daughters, and during the past year, we've made them a part of our evening walk routine around the neighborhood. So... I am super excited to welcome Sapphire Sandalo to Monster Talk. Hello. Hi. 
Hey, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I, I love getting emails from parents. I, I get a lot and it, it's, it's uh, extra sweet. <laughs> That's so cool. Well, my, my son is five, so he hasn't listened to the, the show yet. But what uh, age group do you aim your show at? You know, it's funny. Um, when I first started doing this, I didn't have a group I was aiming for. I just did mm -hmm. stories that I personally liked. And I guess sure. the people that are drawn to them are like seven to 14 years old. Okay. Okay. That sounds about right. Uh, my daughter started when she was about 14 and she's 15 now and still loves them. So yeah. Oh, nice. Okay, great. <laughs> Well, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what your show is and how, I mean, I, obviously I know, but uh, the audience would like to know. It's like, wh what is it and what led you to do it? And how did, how did you how did you get to this spot? So Stories with Sapphire, it started out as a podcast. I started that early last year. Um, and I mean, my inspiration for doing this kind of work started when I was a kid. Um, you know, I loved ghost stories. I loved loved the paranormal and the occult. And that all started because of my grandpa. He lives in the Philippines. And um, when I was little, he told me these really amazing stories of monsters and ghosts and all these cool things that he had experienced and witnessed himself, according to him. <laughs> um, so as a child, I ate it up because I was like, hang on a second. If my grandpa experience these things than maybe other people have. And then I started hearing stories from my family members and they all had stories and experiences. And that's sort of what set me on my obsession with wanting to learn everything about the ghost world and the monster world. So that is just like what inspired my love for the paranormal and these types of stories. Um, there's just something really comforting about hearing these tales that have been passed down for years and years and you know they have cultural significance they teach lessons yeah it's just like really special <laughs> and so I wanted to recapture that feeling in a podcast form um, I love telling these stories and so that's why I started the podcast um, and then now recently I also created a web series component to it which um, is more on the fictional side. So the podcast focuses more on people's true experiences, you know, as, as true as they say it is. Um, and then the YouTube series is more like the fictional monster, like really creepy kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to ask you if this was uh, personal experiences or if this was folklore and, and legend. It reminds me a little bit of uh, Mr. Nightmare. I'm not sure if you've ever seen him on YouTube. He has uh, mm -hmm. people writing in stories and... Uh, I mean, sometimes I think some of them are made up, but most of the time they, they do sound like true, true experiences anyway. Yeah. Um, and, you know, people ask me all the time, like, how do you vet your guests? How do you know if they're telling the truth? And honestly, there there is no way for me to tell. But I'm not really interested in that. I'm more interested in hearing how these experiences change that person's life. And that's sort of my the way that I go about every podcast episode, you know, like I cannot prove whether or not what they experienced was real, um, but the experience of it was real to them. And so their life still changed in, in a way. And that's sort of what I'm more interested in learning about. You know, we pitch ourselves as the science show about monsters. And for the majority <laughs> of our, our run, we've we've dealt with legends where if possible, we tried to find out what was true and what's not true. But but mm -hmm. I would say over the course of our show, and we've been doing this for more than a decade now, 
I, I've really gotten more interested in the sort of psychological and, mm-hmm. and sociological structure around this kind of stuff. And, it, and it's fascinating to me because story is like the currency that is true, is real and valued in every culture. It's like it's, you can't escape it. And like the question of whether the stories are true sometimes doesn't have much impact on how much value the story has. You know what I mean? It's like it's, right. it's, it's like they become really important. And we do care deeply about, you know, helping people not be afraid of things that aren't real. Mm-hmm. But there is we also love monsters and ghosts and scary stuff. And it's like I don't want to run away from that core passion, the thing that got me here. <laughs> That's yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what attracted us to this in the first place. Exactly. The, the stories and the folklore. So yeah, we've got common ground. Uh, that wasn't really a question, was it? Sorry. <laughs> it was a comment. <laughs> I know. No, I was trying to think of how to respond. Yeah. No, no, this is, okay. So I do have a question. So this is more of a mechanics question, and it's like I've noticed the quality of your animation. And I saw that you listed yourself as an animator. So are you, do, what, how much of the show are you doing yourself? Or do you have a team? Are you working solo? Cause it, it seems like you're doing a lot of high quality production work. And I just didn't know if you had help or is this all solo? Oh, well, first of all, thank you. And no, it is just me. <laughs> Yowzer. That is amazing. Okay. okay. So you are a powerhouse of talent is what you are. That's okay. Got it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, actually, um, well, this isn't the first show that I've done like this. Um, I mean, maybe your daughter is familiar with the show I did before called Something Scary. I don't know if she had mentioned that to you. Right before we started this recording, she rolled in, said that you had another channel before this and that you did something called Something Scary. And then I said, can you explain that more? And then she walked off. So I did. (laughs) Typical. That's what I know. (laughs) Yeah. So Something Scary was essentially the same idea, um, but it was for a company called Snarled. Um, I pitched the idea to them. They liked it. I did a couple episodes and then it just like blew up. And so I did that for a year or so. And then after a while, and I was doing everything on my own. Like I made all the music, I edited, I shot it, I wrote it, um, I animated it. After a while, I was like, hang on a second. If I'm doing everything on my own anyway, I should be doing this like for myself. (laughs) And then I quit. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Makes sense. (laughs) I encourage everyone to do that. Uh, So Blake and I have talked a lot over the years about, I guess, paranormal-like experiences that we've had. And again, Mm -hmm. being skeptics, we've looked for explanations, for natural explanations for what could be perceived as supernatural by other people. Uh, So, for example, there was one, one or two times where I saw something that, on the surface of things appeared to be a ghost and Blake has had some, some interesting experiences too with ghosts and demons and, and things like that, oh. that uh, he mm-hmm. now recognizes as being sleep paralysis. But uh, mm-hmm. we, we have talked about a lot of these stories uh, just over the years. So I'm wondering, you seem to be a story collector and you've uh, just picked up a lot of stories from friends and family and now listeners over the years. Have you had any experiences yourself? You know, I always feel like I disappoint people with this question. <laughs> I always do because, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know. I I wish I had just some like wild stories that are just as crazy as what I hear. But a part of me feels like 
my my purpose in life is to be the messenger. And so maybe I am not the one meant to experience these things. But I will say, though, um, I started to have what I consider more, I don't know, maybe like spiritual experiences um, after my grandfather passed last July. Is it July? Oh, sorry. Yes. Um, it's okay. Um, but he was the grandfather that basically introduced me to the concept of monsters yeah. and ghosts and everything. Um, and so in October, something really cool happened, um, in October, um, I, so I have an altar in my office space, my home office, and I added his photo there. And then every single day, you know, I would just go to my altar and I would just talk to my grandpa. Um, and something that I personally find very comforting about the work that I do, it sort of reminded me that death doesn't have to be the end. Near the end of my grandfather's life, he had pretty bad dementia. And so whenever I would see him, he didn't seem to recognize me or would call me by my mom's name. You know, it just like felt like just very disconnected. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so when he passed, I remembered, you know, some of the stories that I heard people tell. And I just found a lot of comfort in knowing that now that he is on the other side, in a way, I can make a new relationship with him. One where like he could potentially remember me now, you know, like our souls can communicate with each other. And that was something that I found comfort in. So that's why I put his photo on my altar. And I would just like talk to him every morning, just a little like, Hey grandpa, what's up? Um, and then there's just one day in October where I was just like really missing him. And so I sat there and I said, grandpa really miss you. It would be really cool if you could make yourself known today somehow. And I truly was not expecting anything to happen. And I was like, I don't know. I just want to see what that does. So then I sat down at my desk Maybe like 20, 30 minutes later, this moth flies over and it lands right by my left hand. And in Filipino folklore, moths represent the spirits of our ancestors. So I looked oh. at it and I was like, I said out loud, Grandpa? And then I, I lifted my hand up and then it flew right onto my hand. And I looked at it and I just like nodded and I was like, Thanks, Grandpa. And then it flew off and then it landed on my wall and it just stayed there for like an hour or so. And, you know, it could have just been a moth that decided to fly in my hand. But I like to look at that as like maybe that was my grandpa saying, hello, I'm here. Every time moth. <laughs> it's, it, it's a lovely story and it's a lovely sentiment. Yeah. And I think we all, I mean, even my deeply skeptical uh, self, I really want there to be more, you know, and it's like, mm -hmm. see, feeling things like that, that help you feel connected. You know, it's, it's really quite beautiful. I always keep reminding myself that, you know, and we also live on, you know, and we also carry part of those people with us, you know, and they live yeah. on in our memories and lots of other oh, ways. And it's absolutely. like, and it's just like those, oh, those moments are so special. So, yeah. Yeah. We, we talked in the past about, uh, a weird experience that my grandmother had when uh, her father, my great grandfather died. And uh, at that moment she saw him, she was shopping in a Kmart of all things. And uh, she had an experience where she saw him and he just told her not to worry about him. And 
Uh, so we, we've spoken about this kind of thing, and skeptics often see these kinds of things as as coincidences or grief hallucinations. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I do think, however you interpret them, they're very comforting. Yeah, I, right. That, that's the thing. It's always it's always comes across as it sounds like it's very comforting. I'm not so sure I'd be comforted if any of my dead relatives showed up. I'd probably be terrified. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it depends on who visits you. Yeah, I mean, even the ones I like, I, y'all stay gone. I mean, y'all go on now. What, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I noticed that you've got some TV credits. Uh, can you talk about what your role is with uh, with Paranormal t- TV? Sure. Um, I'm on I'm a recurring paranormal quote unquote expert because who can be an expert in these things um, on two different shows on the travel channel. Um, One is called paranormal caught on camera. Um, That one's really fun. So there's like a panel of experts and we watch these clips from the internet all over the world. Um, They're videos of people. They're videos from people who claim they have caught something possibly paranormal. So they interview the people who capture the footage. They um, have them tell their stories, why they think this is paranormal. And then they have the experts give their take. Um, So I'm one of those people who gives their take. Um, It's really fun. We get to talk about the lore and um, what it could be if this was real. And um, that's, it's, it's fun. (laughs) It's really fun. (laughs) So that show reminds me a little bit of, Fact or Fate, uh, it's going back maybe about 10 years ago, I think now. It's yeah. uh, I an older that show. show, but it was yeah, kind of similar to that same premise. But, yeah, it's, it was fun. So is this like mm-hmm. Shark Tank for ghosts? I mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do people win something? Is it, is it, or is no, just the satisfaction of having your video on TV. Well, there you go. Okay. okay. And there's a, a lot in that, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 15 minutes of fame. <laughs> Well, it's like, yeah. yeah, wow. Yeah, well, that's a lot of YouTube, isn't it? Okay. Well, <laughs> well YouTube and TikTok, like, it's from everywhere. I, yeah, so, like, is, is TikTok, you do ghost stories there, but you have to dance? Is that how that works? I'm still trying to figure that platform <laughs> yeah, yeah. out. No, <laughs> there, okay, I genuinely didn't even know until they started giving us TikTok videos to react to. I didn't know there was a whole paranormal community on TikTok. It's a whole thing. Wow! Oh, there really, there really is. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. we've got uh, we've got a YouTube channel. It's kind of fledgling channel, really. But uh, my husband has this uh, series called Ask a Paranormal Investigator, and he, uh, oh, okay. I mean, he, he's constantly flooded with videos from TikTok. And you're right. I mean, there are just so many TikTok celebrities with uh, talking about experiences and talking about experiences that other people have had. I mean, it's it's just a huge area for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's wild. I mean, I, I have a TikTok. I'm not very active on it, but I did post this one video that I recorded while um, interviewing someone for my podcast. And I had the, you know, it was a Zoom, so I had the video on because it's just easier to talk to people that way. And while she's talking, it was so wild. I still... I still think about it. Um, She was about to get into the main part of her story and she was like, okay, and this is like the craziest part. And then as she said that, something fluttered behind her and it looked like her curtain. And so I stopped her and I was like, I'm so sorry to stop you, but is like, is that a curtain behind you? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, is the window open? She was like, no. And I was like, can you, can you show me the window? And so she moved her laptop and I looked at it and yeah, it was closed. But then I saw her cat bed. And so I was like, oh, you, you have a cat. She's like, yeah, but my cat's locked up in the other room. 
And I was like, wait. And I just like hung Spooky. my head. And she, <laughs> yeah. And she was just like, why? What happened? Because it was behind her. She didn't see. Yeah. And I was like, I'm pretty sure your curtain fluttered right as you were about to get into your <laughs> the wild part of your story. And so we were just like laughing about it. And I was like, you know, this is kind of fun. Whatever. I'll post yeah. it on TikTok. Like, what a mistake. <laughs> like, people on TikTok are not nice. <laughs> Oh no. Like, oh no. It was just a mix. It was a mix of some people being like, Whoa, that's so cool. And everyone being like, You're an idiot. <laughs> like, I don't see <laughs> anything. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like, I just thought it was a fun video, but uh, um, yeah. So, so is there a way to, this is important. Is there a way to turn off comments in TikTok? Because, good Lord. Maybe moderate. <laughs> I, I wish there was. I don't know. I just don't look at comments well there is that right yeah, right yeah yeah, yeah. never read the comments thing to do i think yeah. in general yes yeah. social media <laughs> don't read the comments you've been an activist for more diversity and representation and yes. uh and i think it's, uh, i was thinking especially around the the like more uh, Asian-based folklore stories, but mm -hmm. it's it's a lot more than that because you've also worked with improving diversity and representation in the animation field. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, well, I am also a part-time professor at Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles. Um, that is where I went to school. I studied animation there. And I teach a class called Animated Perspectives. It's relatively new. I believe I started four years ago. Um, and the class is there to help students who are all going to be entering this entertainment industry, help them make their work more inclusive and understand what that means. Um, you know, like that's such a big buzzword right now. Everyone's like diversity, inclusivity, but no one actually knows how to do that. <laughs> um, and so that's what the class is for. Like I, I'm not, I don't really consider myself a teacher. I feel like I'm more of a moderator of discussions. Like each class period is a different um, topic or idea. And we, as a class, like I just facilitate a conversation, you know, cause there's, I don't know the right or wrong way to do things. Um, there's some ways that are like very obviously wrong, but, um, you know, there's a million ways to do something right. Um, and we're not all going to like agree on everything, but it is really interesting. And I learn from my students every single semester. I know that sounds so cliche. Like I, they teach me, but it's true. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. I, they know more about this in some ways than I do. And it's just really cool to have a space to have these conversations. So that's one way that I am promoting diversity and more representation in entertainment. Is your background in animation? Like, like were you trying to get into like the, the you know, some of the big studios or is that just yes. part of like, or yeah, what was your focus there? Yeah. Um, I studied animation when I went to LMU. I got my B of A there. And I, before I was doing the web series and the podcast, I was working in studios. Um, I was working on TV shows that I'm sure you've never seen. <laughs> they were all like just <laughs> very niche adult comedy cartoons that were on very, very late at night. Um, and also just like a couple commercials and stuff. And I got to a point where I was like, I don't know if I like doing animation for other people's stuff, just because I, 
the what's more important to me is the storytelling. Um, for me, like the animation is just a way of facilitating the idea. But like if I could hire people to do the animation, that's the first thing I'll do. Because um, that's the thing I don't really like feel the need to be doing, if that makes sense. Like I want to tell the story could like make it have a nice pace and add the music and all that kind of stuff. Um, so the scripting, the storyboarding, that stuff you like? Yeah. <laughs> our, our audience uh, it can often be surprising too and get into some really obscure stuff. So it's, it's a possibility that they're familiar oh, with some of the things that you've done. And um, uh, yeah. Let's see. I animated on a couple seasons of Mr. Pickles on Adult Swim, uh, the show called Trip Tank, um, some pilots that never went anywhere. <laughs> I think if you if you're hitting Adult Swim, you're hitting some of our audience for sure. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah, maybe people yeah. will know what that is. Yeah, <laughs> very cool. I want to get into some stories, I, and we don't have to go too deep. I mean, I, obviously, we we will send people to your channel, but uh, monsters and ghosts seem to be a part of every culture, and we're mm -hmm. always curious about what legends and lore are happening around the world. And I, I know on Monster Truck, we've tried to cover, you know, more than just America and Europe. I think that's, you know, we, we get really focused on the English language world, but we've we've traveled to Africa and all over Asia and Australia. Australia. Yeah. yeah, that's right. It's like yeah. we, we've, we've sort of steered away from the poles. But other than that, we've been all over the globe. Uh, and I just, I, I know that a lot of your monsters that you've covered uh, come from uh, Asian folklore and again, as I mentioned, from other folklore, I was my daughter listed three in particular she was interested in, or that she thought were particularly good episodes. But I, what I wanted to ask you are there particular monster stories that have been especially popular with your audience, or that you'd like to talk about and kind of give people a taste of what kind of critters you're dealing with on the show? Oh, sure. Um, a lot of my audience is from the Philippines, uh, probably just because I'm Filipino <laughs> and I, I do share a lot of Filipino folklore. Um, that's sort of where my passion is, um, just because that was my introduction to this world. Um, my grandpa shared a lot of really cool monsters with me. Um, I, I, you know, I'm realizing, I know that you wanted to save it for the end. My should I talk about my favorite one now or should I say that? Sure. You know, as long as we get to it. <laughs> oh, okay. I just wasn't sure if it was like it had to be at the end. No, okay. no, no. So if we're going to, if we're going to flip the order, that is fine. Hop in there. What you want to talk about your favorite monster. That's what this show is all about. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. Uh, so the very first creature that my grandpa introduced to me from Filipino folklore is what he called a tiqui. Um, that's what his region called it. But most Filipinos would know it as a Mananan gull. Um, have you heard of this? I haven't, no. Like, no, no. I think maybe um, there are maybe like two Filipino monsters that I know off the top of my head. I don't think I know head. of any, yeah. I, I know the Aswang. Mm -hmm. um, and the... Duende. Duende. Yes. Oh, awesome. Um, so a Mananangal is a type of a swang. It's very strange. So an aswang is basically like an umbrella term for any type of like shape shifting, viscera eating demon. <laughs> and yeah. a manan yes. <laughs> and a mananangal is a specific type of a swang. So all right, strap in because it's it's pretty wild. Um so basically <laughs> During the day, she looks like a normal woman, but at night, 
she can separate the upper half of her body from her legs. So she leaves her legs just on the ground. And then she grows these big bat wings and flies up in the air searching for people, um, preferably pregnant women, because what she does, she flies over to these pregnant women while they're sleeping and then she flies into their house and then sticks her long skinny tongue into their belly button, scoops out the baby, and then flies away. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Oh, gosh. Wow. Is this a kind of cultural way to explain <laughs> miscarriages? And Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's sad. And horrific. Yeah, it's wild. Um, but the imagery of her is really crazy, too, because her, her intestines are just dangling. Like, yeah, if you, yeah. Um, well, though, which, I'm wondering, is, is there another, there's another, there's a, I want to say it's a Chinese type of vampire where the head pulls out with all the entrails and goes oh, around and like the, sucks the life force. That's, um, it's not Chinese. It is Cambodian. It's called the Krasu. Cambodian. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That, that is, one is just the head and then the. Yes. Are, yes. Mm-hmm. Cambodian. Okay. Sorry. That's, you know. I always feel ridiculously ignorant when I talk to people about other countries and their folklore. It's like no matter what I read, I've never read enough. I was thinking today, <laughs> like like I just out of the blue, uh, while prepping for this, I, I, I clicked on something and suddenly it was talking about pre-colonial Filipino or Philippine mm-hmm. um, deities. And mm-hmm. I was like, well gosh, Blake, you're a dumbass. Of course there was religion before the Spanish showed up. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it was like, I was reading about all the Filipino gods I had never heard of, you know, at all. And I was like, oh God, every culture has religion. Every culture has monsters. I don't know why I don't, I mean, oh, there's not enough time. I've got all this curiosity and not enough time. So Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, even within Filipino folklore, there's so many slight variations among the islands. Um, Before the Philippines was a country, they were just a bunch of separate islands. And so there's a lot of overlap with the creatures. Um, But that also makes it really hard to study these things too, just like for me, Um, because I'll refer to something as one thing and then other people are like, no, that's this other thing. So it gets really (laughs) confusing. So, you know, like it's, it's okay. (laughs) And that's the thing about folklore and urban in legends, you know, it's, there's no one definitive answer. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, there could, I, there might be a Chinese um, creature that is similar to that, you know, so. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we find I, I, that a lot with, with Bigfoot, the different variants of, right. of Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, yeah, it's it's highly likely that these uh, creatures exist across not only Asia but to other continents too. I wish I had more time to learn from every culture. But your show does a good job <laughs> of, you know, helping bring some of these into our awareness, I think, in America, which is great. Thank you. I mean, it's it's easy to forget because America has a huge cultural footprint. Like we push out so much culture into the rest of the world, but we're only 4% of the world's population. Holy cow. Yeah. What How are do we doing? do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's a very multicultural country too, but it sounds it, like. Yes. It, yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you do talk about uh, lots of different creatures from lots of different cultures, not only mm-hmm. Asian cultures, but uh, just around the world. My, my daughter mentioned that you had actually even covered raw head and bloody bones. Yeah. Oh wow, I forgot about that one. Um, yeah, that, that's European. I mean, that's that's like a, a really old European folklore. But uh, I'm not sure how it came uh, onto your show in what form. Somebody had submitted that as a story, and it was one that I had never heard. And I was like, "Ooh, this is cool." Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Clive Barker, the horror writer. Yeah. did a sort of variation on that. He did a, a story called Rawhead Rex for one of his books of blood. Oh, and they cool. made it they made a pretty horrendous uh 1980s uh foam monster, you know like 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 the, before CGI, lots and lots of foam and fake blood kind of horror movie. Uh it was mm-hmm. it was pretty 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 bad, pretty bad. Uh, yeah. You covered uh, some of Japanese folklore too. Uh um, the I'm gonna try it. Uh, Hachi Shakusama and yeah, Kuchi Sakeona. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hachi Sakusama and Kuchi Sakeona. Yes. Those are two of my daughter's other favorites. Uh, do- hey, monster talkers! Just a quick reminder: we have talked a bit about Japanese ghosts and monsters in the past. Recall that the yokai are like demons or monsters. And not in like the Judeo-Christian sense of the demons, but as in a supernatural creature that isn't exactly a god, but it's pretty wildly different from fairies or jinn or goblins. And there's a subset of yokai that are called oni. And these are culturally popular and they're often very powerful, colorful, and depicted as having horns and a menacing visage. Yurei are ghosts, often the product of tragic demise. There's a subset of yurei called onryo, who are vengeful ghosts seeking some kind of justice. These terms have a lot of overlap, and in the past few decades, there's been a much wider global recognition of these creatures through the popularity of anime, manga, and various supernatural cinema like J-horror films such as The Ring and The Grudge. I'll put links to relevant episodes from our back catalog in the show notes. If you're going to be traveling alone right now, you need to know the story of Kuchisake Ona. A long time ago, in the Heian period, lived a samurai and his beautiful wife. She was so beautiful, in fact, that anyone who saw her couldn't help but stare at her enchanting brown eyes, her smooth skin, and flowing ebony hair. She would walk around town and coyly ask those who stared, Am I pretty? while fluttering her lashes flirtatiously. She loved the attention, but her husband did not. 
She would reassure him that it was all completely harmless. Aren't you proud to have such a beautiful and desirable wife? Her husband did his best to subside his jealousy, but one day he discovered that she was a liar and that she was being unfaithful to him, just as he had suspected. So one day, when she was brushing her hair, he snuck up behind her and grabbed her head. He drew a knife and dragged the blade across her mouth from cheek to cheek, leaving her with a horrendous gaping wound, a permanent red smile. Who will think you're pretty now, he said. She ran out of the house in tears. Everyone stared at her, but this time in disgust. She pleaded for their help, but no one would come near her. She ran far away from her village until she could run no longer. She laid on the ground by the river, blood flowing from her mouth just as the water next to her. This is where she died, completely alone. After her death, there were rumors that she had returned to the village, but as a vengeful ghost. They called her Kuchisake Ona, the slit-mouthed woman. Villagers claimed to see her wounded face in the streets at night when they were completely alone. Well, those who were lucky enough to get away in time. Centuries later, people still report seeing Kuchisake Ona. They say that she blends into the crowds wearing a trench coat and a surgical mask to hide her twisted grin. She targets those who are alone. She will approach you and ask you a question. Am I pretty? If you answer yes, she will remove her mask and reveal her disfigured face and ask you again, am I pretty now? And if you don't answer yes again. So, yeah, it seems like a lot of these monsters have some kind of uh, social conditioning aspect to them. You're teaching a, a lesson to people. Don't do this. Otherwise, this will happen. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's actually, I mean, why I like a lot of Filipino folklore, because I feel like the message behind those is to be respectful to nature. Like that's Mm -hmm. a very common theme. Um, Like with the duende that we mentioned earlier, um, when you walk through a very heavily wooded area, um, you're supposed to say tabi tabi po, just say, you know, excuse me, I'm walking through. Um, That way they know that you're coming through. Um, and if you don't do that, then they'll curse you with bad luck or make you sick. And, you know, even if that's not real, I think it's nice to have, you know, acknowledge that, hey, you're not the only thing that, that inhabits this earth. There's other things right. here. Right. Do Have you been to the Philippines? Uh-huh. I've been several too. times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and have you gone uh, on any uh-huh. investigations when you were there and gone and uh, done some uh, legend tripping, checking out the sites and... I haven't yet, but that, that is my that is my next goal. I definitely want to visit Sikihor Island. Have you ever heard of it? I don't think so. I haven't. No. no. Oh my goodness! So Sikihor is was called the Island of the Witches for a while, um, and now it's this really big like tourist attraction. Like people go, and it's a little bit kitschy, um, <laughs> where there's people who sell potions they do like magic and like all this kind of stuff um but (laughs) i do think that there is there is something (laughs) going on there like uh even though it's like very touristy now i think um i think there's you know some real like 
witches and healers that like are there. They're just like being super low key, but I really want to go there. <laughs> Sounds very cool. <laughs> yeah. And apparently, and I don't know how correct this is anymore, but um, I was I was uh, on an, on a radio show in the Philippines during the pandemic. Well, I guess, yeah, like we're in it still, um, like a year ago. <laughs> um, and I, he had mentioned that Sikihor Island was the only place in the Philippines that didn't have any COVID cases. <laughs> and everyone oh. thought that was so creepy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that sounds lucky more than creepy but okay yeah I, that, I know I know I was like well yeah like they were able to protect themselves that's cool but like everyone's like oh my god so spooky <laughs> I, like, yeah, that's I, cool. <laughs> I was always surprised at like how many uh dialects of language there are around the Philippines so I, I'm guessing even though they're a single country there must be a tremendous amount of, I, I guess, geographical limitations. Like I, I'm just trying to figure out how it is that there's so many different dialects on such a small landmass, but there are. I mean, oh yeah, because they were all um, individual islands before they became like. It wasn't until um, the Spanish came that they even became the Philippines. Um, yeah. So they all just had their own individual languages, and it's it's. <laughs> It is like so strange, um, you know, like obvious, like I'm a person in entertainment in America and Filipino representation is something that I want to see more of here. But even the Filipino representation that we do get and the stuff we're starting to see now, it still doesn't represent my experience because my family is from um, the South part of the Philippines. And that's a very different, they have different language. They have different culture. Um, and so it's so wild to me, like how, how, uh, what do you call it? How specific <laughs> representation can still get. I mean, a lot of Americans think Africa is a country. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> not. Yeah. Like that's where we're at. So. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it sounds a little bit like uh, Indonesia too. So many islands and uh, people speaking, sometimes even speaking the same language, but just because there's a, uh, a it's across a large area, and so people might call the same language different names and uh, mm. have mm -hmm. dialectal differences too. But uh, yeah, you, you must do you feel like somewhat of a celebrity there in the, the Philippines? Do you have a following there? <laughs> um, I, I mean, most of, according to my analytics, a lot of my <laughs> uh, viewers and listeners do come from the Philippines. Um, I, and I, in the, in my last show, I started referring to myself as Ate Sapphire because people were referring to me as that in the comments. And Ate is a Filipino term of endearment for older sister. And I just thought that oh. was so cool. I'm like, oh my gosh. Lovely. Um, and also, because I'm the youngest, so I've never been called, or I've never been called Ate <laughs> by anyone. So I was like, oh my God, this wow. is awesome. It <laughs> yeah. is nice. Yeah. <laughs> when my grandpa was about 25 years old, the tree outside his home in the Philippines was always swarming with bats. So he went out with his gun to see if he could scare them away. He fired one shot, but the bats seemed unfazed. He fired another. Still, nothing. 
but then there was a cuss cuss. That's when the bats flew away. My grandpa believes that the sound was coming from an aswang, and like the bats, he got the hell out of there. An aswang is one of the most feared creatures in the Philippines. This is my interpretation of one of the most popular legends surrounding them. And now, it's story time. Another artistic question. When I listen to the show with my daughter, what we do is she carries her phone and she's holding the phone and playing out the audio. Intermittently, my daughter will say, you need to look at this image and you know, she'll show me a monster or something, right? <laughs> But uh, but generally speaking, I'm walking in the dark with my daughter, so she feels better, and we're bonding over these scary stories, which is a fun thing to do, and it's something she came up with. I don't I don't know she why she won't listen she to lo- this show. So no no no, good lord no. <laughs> 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 like and she, she we, we're not. She's cool mad enough. at me because in, intermittently she'll be on a phone call with her friends, and I'll run into the room and say, uh, must uh, patreon.com forward slash monster talk. You know. <laughs> <laughs> But what I wanted to ask was about your animation style. What she told me was that you primarily use black and white, and the only color that she usually sees is red. Is that that fairly accurate? Yeah, that's how I did it for my previous show, Something Scary. Oh, okay, Um, okay. And I, you know, so many things that I did for that show style-wise were completely for cutting corners. (laughs) Oh, really? Well, it's very distinctive. I mean, she showed me some of those. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's what's so funny. Like, I, I guess that look sort of became kind of iconic in a way. And I was like, I made it black and white. So I didn't have to worry about like color correcting or anything. Yeah. And just like <laughs> sure. little things like that. Like, I didn't want to color the images. That would take too much time. So I was like, let's make it black and white. Um, <laughs> let's make these images like really, really simple. Um, but it worked. And now I'm trying to switch it up a little bit but um i still love um red and black and white and i think there's like splashes of yellow now um and that's a little bit more of a nod towards uh filipino colors um because those are very prominent colors on our textiles well do do you um how do you animate like do you do it on software or you're not doing like traditional cell are you uh no yeah it's all digital i use adobe animate <laughs> okay which okay. um yeah it's not the best uh drawing app but it's it works for what i need it to do so <laughs> does it do the i remember i used to do a little bit of flash animation years and years and years ago does it do like keyframe stuff where you can like say move this from this frame you know to yeah. this frame over over mm-hmm. nice okay those are good those are good t- the, <laughs> time savers i think is the word yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, it's funny. I always hesitate calling my show animated because it's not technically animated. It's just there's it has images like it has illustrations with the, in the video. Um, but the, the illustrations are not actually animated. But I call it that because I don't know. The kids call it that. So I'm like, OK, well, they do. They do. Better. <laughs> I would say that in what's happened is over time she has made it animated in her head. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, there right. we go. <laughs> uh, is there anything else uh, about your show you'd like our audience to know? Um, yes, actually. I am always looking for story submissions. Whether you want to write it out and have me narrate it, you could e- email it to storieswithsapphire at gmail.com. Um, or I also interview people. Some people prefer sharing their story personally so you can also just 
email me at that same email. Very, very cool. Um, that's all the questions I had. Did, did you have any other questions, Karen? Um, not really. I, I'm just interested in the the, the monster stories. Um, we we kind of touched upon a few. I don't know if you want to talk about any other ones because you had the um, eight foot tall woman, or if you want. To talk yeah, about I, I, yeah, the Hachi Shakusama. Yeah, I don't I don't know much about her except she's very the tall and scary Amazon looking. woman. Yeah, it was <laughs> Yeah, that one was a really popular episode for something scary. Uh, so essentially, she's just this spirit that takes the form of an eight foot tall woman. That's what Hachisakusama means, and she, she makes this sound like <laughs> it's like a po po. <laughs> like over and over, just like very deep and resonating. So it, you know, when you hear that that sound, it means that she's nearby and she's sort of a harbinger for death. So if you see oh. her, it means that something bad's about to happen. Right. And that's essentially her deal. <laughs> bad omen. Oh, it's creepy. That sound is creepy as well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I did it justice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was trying to think of, we 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 just watched a uh a really cool I want to I think it was Malaysian but it might have been Indonesian um horror movie that's exclusive to Shutter right now it was so cool but I can't think of the name of it and I'm having Is it a in really Patagore? Hard time. Yes, oh my gosh, oh, yes, yeah. I, I thought what that movie think? was yeah. so cool. <laughs> it really really was. I mean, wow. Uh yeah, yeah. That that what you know what surprised me about that was like how interesting it was because i guess my 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 mentality around that entire country is that it's because it's predominantly uh islamic that i i just assumed probably incorrectly that they kind of crushed a lot of the local folklore but this mm. clearly seemed to be a classic you know local type ghost story with local magic and yet also took you know took care to be respectful to the Islamic culture and all, all that. It was a, it was an amazing little film. It really was. I want to see it. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, a, it's really spooky. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> it's, it's supernatural. It's dark. It's beautiful. And, and yet it also has, um, like it's got its own internal logic and it sticks to it real hard. It's, it's good. It's, mm -hmm. it was a trip. Where did you say uh, you saw it? I saw it on shutter. Yeah. Yeah. It, okay. It's a, this is a horror streaming service. Uh, but it's, um, yeah, I, I can put a link to it in the show notes sure. uh, if, if anyone wants to check it out. Yes, highly all right, recommend. Well, all right, well, I want to say uh, thank you, Sapphire, for so much for taking the time to talk to our audience and for all the work you do. Uh, yeah. Again, you know, this, we're this primarily a, a skeptical show, but woo, this is some great storytelling. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was a fun chat, and, and we've looked at, uh, in the past, Japanese ghosts and Chinese ghosts, but... Uh, I mean, there's just so much more for us to explore. I mean, we've been doing this for 10 years, but we haven't really done enough when it comes to different kinds of uh, Asian ghosts. So it's good to look at some Filipino ghosts and more. Yes. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and I want to say I, I really love the way you introduce your show because you always say, welcome to believers, non-believers, and everyone in between. And I think that's such a beautiful sentiment. So oh, Yeah, well, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Covers everyone. <laughs> Monster Talk. You've been listening to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stolzner. 
You just heard an interview with Sapphire Sandalo about her storytelling series, which includes many tales from Asian folklore. A link to her material will be in the show notes. Normally, we spend a lot of time trying to figure out whether various monsters are real or how we can use them to learn more about science and critical thinking, but sometimes it's just fun to sit back and hear some scary stories. Sapphire is very clear that she's telling stories and you're under no obligation to believe them. It's a strange world when the campfire gives way to the cold glow of a smartphone, but the storytelling experience is largely the same. I hope you enjoyed this interview, and perhaps you'll learn of some new monsters through the work of Sapphire Sandalo. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Monster Talk. Each episode, we strive to bring you the very best in monster-related content with a focus on bringing scientific skepticism into the conversation. If you enjoy Monster Talk, we now have a variety of ways to support the show, all with convenient links at monstertalk.org forward slash support. That's monstertalk.org forward slash support. We have links there to our Patreon page as well as a donation button. Another great way to support the show is to buy books from our Amazon Monster Talk wish list, which directly helps us with our research. We love used books very much, so don't feel compelled to buy new ones. And we love Kindles, so we can share our digital libraries with each other. And finally, without spending any money at all, you can support us by leaving a positive review at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Positive reviews help keep us visible in iTunes, which is a great way to help us find new listeners. And please share our show on your favorite social media platforms. Monster Talks, an independent production of Monster House, LLC. Our theme music is by Pete Stealing Monkeys. Thanks so much for making our show a part of your listening schedule. In a monster house presentation. A million monsters have lurked in the shadows of a million campfires through a million nights, leaving footprints only in our dreams. And yes, I know that only comes out to be about 2,700 years. Look, give me some poetic slack, you pedants. Now, as I was saying before, I was so mathematically interrupted. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.